Evidence and Answers. One of the most frequently mentioned figures in the Quran is Jesus. However, the Jesus of the Quran differs significantly from the Jesus of the Bible. What accounts for the differences? What sources did Muhammad reference? How reliable were his sources? How does the historical evidence of Muhammad compare with the New Testament? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is a national and international speaker, teacher, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat reveals what the Quran says about Jesus and the sources from which Muhammad gathered his information. Let's join Pat now for this informative study on Jesus in the Quran. We have been studying Christianity and Islam and began looking at the teachings of what Islam teaches about the person of Jesus Christ and what the Bible teaches about the person of Jesus Christ. Often you hear that Islam honors Christ and the Jesus of Islam is the same Jesus of the Bible. However, as we briefly studied, the Bible and Islam have contrary views of the nature and the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God, 100% man, 100% God. This is something the Quran rejects as blasphemous. The Quran honors Jesus as a prophet, but only a man. He is not the divine Son of God. Anyone that would teach that or believes that Jesus is God incarnate is indeed deceived or deluded and has committed shirk, the unpardonable sin of blasphemy. We talked a little bit in our previous show about the infancy narratives of Christ in the Bible and in the Quran, and we saw that the two give contradictory accounts here. Now let's take a look at what the Quran teaches regarding the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Remember, the Quran rejects the idea or the Christian doctrine that Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God. The Quran teaches that he is a prophet, an honorable prophet, but a man, not the divine Son of God. Now, when it comes to the life and ministry of Christ, the Quran mentions five aspects of Christ's life. The Quran teaches that Jesus was a prophet of God, but rejects the teaching that he was indeed the divine Son of God. However, it does affirm that Christ lived a remarkable life. Chapter 3 and chapter 19 of the Quran affirms the miraculous virgin birth of Christ. The Quran affirms the prophetic call of Christ. It also affirms that Christ performed many miracles. The Quran also affirms that Jesus Christ was sinless. However, the Quran rejects the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, but instead teaches that Christ did not suffer physical death, but that God raised him up to heaven. Now, what is significant to note here is that in comparing Jesus to Muhammad, even in the Quran, Jesus performs greater works and miracles than Muhammad. And that's quite significant. The Quran teaches that true prophets of God are confirmed by acts of God or miracles. The Quran teaches that previous prophets, Moses and Jesus, were confirmed as prophets of God by miracles. That's stated in chapter 7 
of the Quran and in chapter 5 of the Quran. In fact, several times in the Quran, the people ask Muhammad for a sign or a miracle that can confirm him as a prophet, but he refuses, stating that the Jews witnessed miracles from the prophets but remained in unbelief. But in chapter 28 and chapter 17 of the Quran, the people continue to ask Muhammad for a sign or miracle that would confirm his prophetic calling, but he refuses to do any. Now, if according to the Quran, God confirmed his prophets through miracles, why would he not confirm Muhammad with the same sign or seal of the prophets? This certainly was within God's ability to accomplish. Now, contemporary Muslim author Ishmael Al-Faruqi claims that, quote, Muslims do not claim any miracles for Muhammad. In their view, what proves Muhammad's prophethood is the sublime beauty and greatness of the revelation itself, the Holy Quran, not any inexplicable breaches of natural law which confound human reason. One of the most authoritative Islamic scholars affirms that Muhammad did not do any miracles. Muslim scholar Abdullah Yusuf Ali, the man who translated the Quran into English, his particular translation into English is considered one of the most authoritative translations of the Quran here. So here is one of the most well-respected Muslim scholars. And he admits in his commentary on the Quran, he admitted that Muhammad did not perform any miracle in the sense of reversing of nature. Now, some Muslim apologists will point to miracle accounts of Muhammad in the Hadith, a record of the sayings of Muhammad, which is perhaps the second most important work in Islam. However, it is the Quran that is the inspired book of God, not the Hadith. The Hadith does not carry the authority of the Quran. Secondly, the Hadith was written nearly one to two centuries after the life of Muhammad. And this follows the pattern that many historians have recorded. One of the most respected historians on this is A.N. Sherwin White, and he has discovered that miracle accounts appear two to three generations after the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. And the reason is that all the eyewitnesses who can verify the accounts as true or false must pass from the scenes in order for legends to begin to stick. And that's what we see here in the Hadith. It's written about two or three generations after the life of Muhammad. And there in the Hadith, you suddenly see Muhammad doing miracles. Since the miracle accounts of the Hadith appear two to three generations after the life of Muhammad, the miracle accounts stand in question. Moreover, the Hadith accounts seem to go against the spirit of Muhammad in the Quran, who repeatedly refused to perform miracles. In chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 6 of the Quran, Muhammad is asked to show us a sign. People ask Muhammad, show us a sign that we may know you are the prophet of Allah. For the prophets of Allah are confirmed by miracles. And Muhammad repeatedly refuses to do miracles. So these miracle accounts which suddenly appear in the Hadith Two to three generations after the life of Muhammad seem to go against the very nature of the accounts in the Quran. It is also significant to note that many Muslim scholars, such as Sahih Bukhari, 
who is considered to be one of the most reliable collectors of the sayings of Muhammad in the Hadith, believed that the vast majority of miracle stories, he considered them to be false or apocryphal. Now, when pressed to defend the miracles of Muhammad, here are some of the alleged miracles in the Quran that Muslim apologists point to. First, Muhammad's midnight journey in chapter 19 of the Quran, in which he claims to have been transported to Jerusalem and then ascended to heaven on the back of a mule in chapter 17 of the Quran. But there's no reason to take this passage as referring to a literal trip to heaven, as even many Muslim scholars do not believe it to be such an event. Noted translator of the Quran, once again, Abdullah Yusuf Ali, whose English translation of the Quran is considered to be the most authoritative translation, he comments on this passage, noting, it opens with the mystic vision of the ascension of the Holy Prophet. He is transported from the sacred mosque of Mecca to the farthest mosque of Jerusalem at night and shown some of the signs of God. So here, Abdullah Yusuf Ali, one of the premier Islamic scholars of the Quran, states that this was indeed a vision and not a physical historical event. Even according to one of the earliest Islamic traditions, Muhammad's wife Aisha, whom he married at six years old and consummated their marriage at nine, she reported that the apostle's body remained where it was, but God removed his spirit by night. But even if this were to be understood as a miracle claim, there's really no apologetic value here. There's no evidence presented to us to test the authenticity of its actual happening. And since it lacks any kind of testability or any kind of historical attestation, it really has no apologetic value. There are no witnesses to this except the donkey. And that's it. Now, this is significant because of this. God confirms his message and messengers with miracles. And the prophets and apostles of God have acts of God or miracles that confirm their calling, whether it's miracles over nature or miracles such as prophecy, both of which Muhammad does not have to uphold his prophetic call from God. Now, finally, one of the most significant events mentioned in the New Testament is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when it comes to this event, the Quran rejects the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because Muslims believe that Allah would not allow his prophets to die such a shameful kind of death. The Quran teaches that Jesus did not die on the cross. Chapter 4 of the Quran states, they said in boast, We killed Christ Jesus, son of Mary, the apostle of God. But they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubt, with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow. For of a surety they killed him not. Nay, God raised him up unto himself. And God is exalted in power, wise, and there is none of the people of the book, but must believe in him before his death. And on the day of judgment, he will be a witness against them. Now this passage and others teach that Jesus did not die on the cross, but escaped death and was taken up to heaven. The phrase, God raised him up unto himself, is understood to teach that Jesus was taken up alive to heaven 
never experiencing death. Also based on the phrase, it was made to appear to them. Orthodox Muslims have traditionally interpreted this to mean that God made someone else look like Jesus, and this person was crucified instead of Christ. Now, there are several views regarding the identity of this substitute. Candidates include Judas Iscariot, who was made to look like Jesus, and he was crucified on the cross instead of Jesus Christ. Or Simon of Cyrene in Luke, Simon is the one who carries the cross of Jesus after he collapses. And that poor guy came to help Jesus, and instead he is the one who ends up crucified on the cross and Christ gets away somehow. Or it was a young teenage boy made to look like Christ who died in place of Jesus Christ. Now one thing Muslims must ask themselves, on what historical basis does Muhammad reject the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? There is so much evidence supporting the fact that Christ was indeed crucified. We not only have the New Testament, but we also have several non-Christian historical sources, the Talmud, Josephus, Tacitus, and others, that clearly state that Christ was crucified. Therefore, we must ask ourselves, on what historical basis does Muhammad reject the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Really, the only argument I have heard is a theological one, that Muhammad is the prophet of God, the Quran is the word of God, therefore it must be true. Well, that's a circular argument. There's a lot of historical evidence that supports that Christ was crucified and resurrected from the dead. And so we must ask our Muslim friends, on what historical basis do they reject the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible clearly teaches even Jesus predicted his death and resurrection from the dead in Matthew chapter 26, in Mark chapter 10 and 14, in John chapter 2, after overturning the temple, the Jews asked Jesus, what miracle will you show us that you have this authority? And Jesus says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up from the dead. Of course, he was talking about the temple of his body, which he resurrected from the dead. So Jesus predicted his death and resurrection on several occasions. The Bible records the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is central to the preaching of the apostles and the early church. This was taught from the very beginning. There's strong evidence to support the historical reliability of the Gospels and the fact that they were written by first century eyewitnesses or their very close associates. We have thousands of ancient manuscripts dating as early as the beginning of the second century confirming that the Gospels have been accurately preserved. And there are several non-Christian Roman and Jewish historical works that affirm both the death of Christ and that Christians believe he had been risen from the dead. And they include such writings as Tacitus, Thales, Lucian, Josephus, the Jewish Talmud, and more. Finally, the preaching of the death and resurrection of Christ began just days after his death on the cross and has been continually preached since then for over 2,000 years. This account was proclaimed from the beginning, not generations after the resurrection. 
In fact, that famous creed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, that famous creed we can date to within five years of the resurrection. So with such early dating of the preaching of the death and resurrection of Christ, on what historical basis can the Quran reject the death and resurrection of Christ? Now, when weighing the evidence, the Quran's account is not built on historical evidence, but rather a commitment to Islamic theology. There's little historical evidence to support the Quran in its denial of the crucifixion and resurrection and its assertion that someone else took Jesus' place on the cross. To support their view, Muslims often appeal to the lost Gospels. But these are Gnostic Gospels, such as the Gospel of Judas and others. And these have proven to be non-apostolic works written centuries or generations after the life of the Apostles. They're not regarded as historically accurate and were written by Gnostics attempting to refashion Jesus in their image. The death and resurrection of Christ is one of the most reliably recorded events in ancient history. Therefore, this would be a serious error in the Quran, and therefore its perfection and divine inspiration stands in question. This is not just a minor thing that one can overlook. This is a major major historical error here. Well, when we take a look at the historical evidence, what does the historical evidence support? Well, I contend that the historical evidence strongly confirms the New Testament gospel accounts. First of all, we have two of these authors, Matthew and John, who were eyewitnesses. Meanwhile, Mark and Luke derived their facts from the apostles themselves. So the internal evidence, the archaeology, the manuscript evidence, Quotes from the early church fathers from the late 1st century, early 2nd century, ancient non-Christian historical works, all affirm the 1st century date and historical accuracy of the Gospels. Now, for more information on that, you can read my article on the historical reliability of the Gospels at evidenceandanswers.org. Not only is the Bible an accurate historical record, it has been accurately preserved. Muslims argue that the Bible has been corrupted, but that's a fallacious claim. We have many ancient New Testament documents that predate the 6th century before Muhammad. For example, the Chester Beatty Papyri, dated 250 AD, contains most of the New Testament. Codex Vaticanus, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Alexandrinus, the Latin Vulgate, the Syriac New Testament, all date centuries before Muhammad. And from these, we can be assured that we have accurate copies of the New Testament that predate the life of Muhammad. Now, Muhammad believed the Bible in his time, the Bible in the 6th century AD, was accurate. For several times in the Quran, chapter 10, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 35, he encouraged Christians and Jews to test the truth of his teachings with the Bible. So he encouraged Muslims to study the Bible. So Muhammad believed that the Bible of his time was accurate. We have copies of the New Testament that predate Muhammad by centuries. So we know that the Bible that Muhammad was reading is the same one we have today. Now, Muhammad wrote the Quran nearly six centuries after the life of Christ. Unlike the gospel writers who relied on eyewitness sources, Islam defense is that the angel Gabriel revealed the information to Muhammad. 
However, the parallels to Gnostic apocryphal works reveal that Muhammad's sources came from a mixture of Christian fables and Gnostic works that were prevalent in Arabia at that time. There's no doubt that Muhammad had interactions with Christians. There's several Christian communities in Arabia, and he would have also met Christian traders traveling in caravans along the trade routes. Also, his first wife, Khadija, had a cousin named Waraka, who was an Ebionite Christian. These Christians and Gnostic Christian sources told Muhammad both stories from the New Testament and also the fables and apocryphal stories spreading at that time. And since it was believed that Muhammad was illiterate, he was not able to read and research these sources for himself. Instead, he relied on second and third hand accounts told to him. As he retold the stories, some of the details were changed due to an incorrect telling or a lapse of memory or a desire for them to better fit his belief system. So in creating the Quran, Muhammad does recount some biblical stories, but he also relies on apocryphal sources written centuries after the eyewitnesses. These works present a Gnostic refashioning of Christ and have shown to be unhistorical in nature. Since they were not derived from apostolic sources and presented a false view of Christ, they were never considered part of inspired scripture. So the evidence strongly favors the New Testament gospel accounts over the Quran. And since the Quran presents stories contrary to the gospels, its historical accuracy, inspiration, and perfection comes into serious questioning. So if Muhammad recorded false stories regarding the life of Christ, one must also question his understanding of the nature and person of Jesus Christ as well. So as we conclude here, we have studied that the Quran and the Bible present contrary views on the nature and life of Christ. The Quran rejects the deity of Christ, his death and resurrection. The Quran presents stories regarding the infancy of Christ that are contrary to that of the New Testament and rely on Gnostic apocryphal works as its source. The Quran rejects major doctrines and events recorded in the Bible. And since the historical evidence upholds the Gospels, the perfection and inspiration of the Quran is in question since its teachings contradict major doctrine and events taught about Christ in the New Testament. But what's interesting to note here, even in the Quran, Jesus lived a life that is much more extraordinary than Muhammad. Since this is evident in the Quran itself, it would be wise for all our Muslim friends to study the life of Jesus in the most accurate historical work there is, the New Testament. So we should encourage our Muslim friends to read the New Testament and to learn what it says about Jesus Christ and one will soon discover that he was more than a prophet. He was indeed the unique Son of God. I hope you've been enjoying this series on Christianity and Islam. If you've missed any part of the series, go to evidenceandanswers.org and you can download or you can listen to the entire series or read the articles we have there. Also, if you'd like it in printed form, there's also a new book on the world religions, God, Eternity, and Spirituality, in which we have several chapters on Islam on the information that I covered here. I hope you'll be with us again here on Evidence and Answers as we study more about Christianity and Islam here on Evidence and Answers.
Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. I hope you're enjoying this series on Islam. If you missed any part of this show or would like to order the entire series, log on at evidenceandanswers.org. This show relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is brought to you by our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us here next time as we continue our series on Islam, right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh